Have you ever thought, I'd like to write a book someday? Then immediately shoved it aside as a dream with no chance of becoming. This show is about how regular folks went from being dreamers to doers, from letting their life experiences and faith remain their own to sharing it with their fellow travelers. So if you've ever wondered how the spark of an idea could turn into a brilliant book, these author interviews show you how by telling their inspiring and true backstories. I'm Roxanne Thane, one of the co-founders of Rooftop Publishing, and our team is delighted to introduce you to one of those legacy-leaving authors today. Welcome, listeners, to today's episode of the Rooftop Backstories podcast. I'm excited to have you here. I have someone else from our team at Rooftop Publishing who is joining me today. This is Talmadge. Talmadge has been so instrumental in his expertise with audio and helping our authors get their audiobooks recorded and then being a part of this Rooftop Backstory podcast and doing episodes for each of our authors. So welcome, Talmadge. Hey, thank you so much. It's, I'm glad to be on the mic now. Yeah. So this will be fun. Get out from behind the computer, huh? Exactly. Well, awesome. Today, we're. I'm going to be asking uh, you, Roxanne, about your book, Jewels in Your Pocket, How to Comfortably Share Your Faith Through the Power of Personal Stories. And I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that and how the idea came to you to write this book. Well, it was actually part of my um, ministry at church, I was working with helping people get comfortable using uh, the digital tools that the Lord has helped inspire that we have nowadays, you know, from Zoom to um, email and text and social media. You know, I work in marketing in my day job. And um, so I was really on board with that. I knew the power of social media for spreading light and truth. And so I had been working in, um, in that at church. And I thought, you know, I was going to write a different book, but I really felt like I needed to write this book first for some reason. And as I started to write it, things started changing in the world. And, you know, I, I could go through the whole story, but basically I got this book written in August, but I hadn't planned my book launch until March. August of what year? Of 2019. Okay. And um, I was trying to hit my 50th birthday and I got it done. Hallelujah. <laughs> got nice. it done. But um, I was going to do my book launch and it's called Jewels in Your Pocket. And on the front of the cover, it has diamonds. And, and I'll tell you the story about why I chose that title. But I was going to do it in a jewelry store, this launch. And I was going to have beautiful things to hand out. And the jewelry store owner was going to allow each person who attended the launch to, to get a free floating jewel um, as a party favor. I mean, it was going to be so fun. And I really felt like this was going to launch my writing and speaking career. And then the pandemic hit. I had the, all those invitations that I didn't send. I had posters that I didn't get to display anywhere. And I just felt stuck like everybody in t March of 2020. They had things going, life happening, and they were just stuck. And I didn't know what I was going to do with this book. But because everybody had to go into you know, just staying in their homes, I knew that the missionary efforts um, were going to be frustrated if people didn't know how to use technology well in sharing Christ's gospel. And so I reached out to somebody locally here who is over about 250 young missionaries and said, can I help? Can I teach a little class on how to use Zoom? Or, you know, I just, I, I want people to still do well and not feel like they're trapped and they have no way to 
move forward. And um, this mission president and his wife were wonderful. And they said, absolutely, we will take any help you will give. And I said, well, I wrote this little book. Let me give it to you. And they said, we will, we want to do all of it, which then led to us building a Facebook page called The Road to Hope and Peace, which shared conversion stories, people who had converted to Jesus Christ and become Christian and how their lives had been blessed by that. And so, and it it started a real people, real journeys, um, bio videos that we did, short videos that we just put out to bring light and hope and peace in a really difficult time in the world's history. And I I looked at that experience and thought, you know, I had a plan for how I wanted this to go, and God had a better plan. I wasn't out there selling books like crazy, but my book was opening doors like crazy to be able to teach. And it wasn't just in this mission. It was in missions all around the country, and and it continues to open doors today. And even the world, didn't you do a couple, like, web trainings for people, like, in Taiwan? Um, We did do some uh, young adult classes that we taught and um, with Christine Van Wagenen of Rooftop Publishing as well, um, talking about Collective Brilliance, our other book. And anyway, it's just been, it's been really a joy to see what technology can do for getting a a good message out there. It's not just the book. The book is the beginning. It's kind of the door opener. It's kind of your business card to say, I actually have something to say so much so that I took the time and the money to invest in putting it into a book. And then the opportunities start to flow. And it's, of course, all the glory be to our Heavenly Father for that. Yeah. And going back to all the time and everything that you put into it, how long do you think it took you to um, get everything ready for this book from writing to It probably took me six to nine months with a couple of writing retreats where I'd go away for three days and just really put my head down. It took an editor, it took a proofreader, it took a designer, an interior designer, the typesetter, you know, and then mm-hmm. the cover design. And it, it was a really great experience. Um, and it came out, you know, right on my birthday. So down to the wire. So whatever your deadline is, just set a deadline because it will actually, it will actually happen by then. If you don't set a deadline, it will rarely come to fruition. It just doesn't. We None of us get stuff done without a deadline. It's so true. So true. What was one of your obstacles that you, that you faced while writing this book? Well, this is everybody's obstacle. It's like, who are you? Who told you that you knew enough to write this book? But fortunately, I've had this um, great blessing in my life that I was told to to write by the Spirit, truly, when I was 12 years old. And it happened when I was in um, a Sunday school lesson, and our teacher was teaching about the power of writing in a journal and how we really need to record our life experiences. Well, I was 12. I mean, what kind of experiences was I really having? But never had any lesson that I was ever taught entered my heart with so much force. And I started to write in a journal every Sunday from 12 on. And there have been a few gaps, but very few. Some gaps have been where I've just written letters to my children who were serving church missions rather than a journal. But I was journaling about what was happening in my thinking. I've also had gratitude journals and all of these other things. But my writing has always been very important to me. I'm, I would say that most people, when they write, they start to learn, wow, that's how inspiration flows. It's not just thinking about it. It's actually doing the work of grabbing a pencil, grabbing paper, and writing stuff out. That's when the inspiration flows, and you read back and go, wow, I, I thought that? I said that? That's obviously not me. 
And so, um, <laughs> what was the question again? Uh, what was some the of the obstacles, obstacles. you've faced. So, um, it, you know, the idea that the idea that you shouldn't be writing is very common, and I think that a lot of people are worried that if they can't be perfect, they shouldn't even start. But I truly believe, and it comes from my experience as a historian, that every life is worth recording and every story has power. In fact, one of the things I wrote in the book, this Jules book, is that the stories we choose to tell and retell ourselves hold incredible power over our moods, relationships, and ultimate progression. So choose stories that build your faith. Uh, you know, I've seen people, family members who choose to tell the stories of the tragedies in their life over and over until they become such a dark and gloomy person that they have no power in anyone else's life. They have no power to bring about joy or pr productivity. And I've seen people who have gone through horrible things who choose to focus on the good faith promoting stories and the power that God has had in their lives. And they are happy and they are influential and they are joyful. They attract people. And that's who you want to be. So I, I had to take some of my own medicine and telling myself, I need to have this story put out there. I'll tell you one story that really illustrates the biggest obstacle, obstacle I had. I was so excited when the books were finally printed and the truck driver dropped off the boxes of books. And I texted my husband and said, son and said, come to the house. I just got the books. And so they came in and they were videotaping me and I opened the book and I ran my fingers over it. It was so beautiful. And I flipped over to the back and found a typo. And I was furious at myself. I was so mad. And I thought, I have had this book looked at by so many people, proofreaders. I've read it. How could we miss this? And I'm not going to tell you which word it was because nobody could see it. My brother, who is an estate planning attorney, says, I have an estate planning eye and I cannot find it. Don't tell people about it. But I was angry. And so I walked in the house and I was just tearful. And I, I just thought, I can't give this out to anybody. My friends are educated. They are um, impressive people. And they're going to look at this and it's going to discount everything that was in that book. I cannot let this go out there. And so I actually took the book off of my husband's nightstand and my book, and I went and put them out in the garage and I put all the boxes out there and I thought, I'm just going to let the cats sleep on them. I don't even care. Nobody hardly knows that I was writing this book. So no one's going to miss it if it doesn't go out. And then I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and I thought, who's telling you to bury your story? It's not your heavenly father. He's the one that inspired you to write it. So I went out. I bought ribbon and tissue paper and bags, and I put my books in those bags, and I started delivering them. I, I knew who was behind that, and I knew who had been the inspiration, and that's who I decided to follow. Wow. Yeah, that, that is incredible. And it is those voices of doubt that we need to just disregard completely when it comes to our dreams, our passions, or something that we just know is objectively a good thing that you are doing. We just need to disregard all of those ideas of doubt. Yeah. That's amazing. Could you tell me one of the happy surprises that happened when you were publishing this book? 
because we already kind of heard one of the sad surprises, but was there anything that kind of was like, oh man, I'm glad that happened? Yeah. Um, well, I hope I don't get too emotional about this, but the title of the book, Jewels in Your Pocket, comes from an experience I had with my mom. So all growing up, my mom was the greatest listener in the world. She always had chocolate chip cookies at our house, which has become a problem for me since. But it was really nice to grow up with that. And I could come into the house and just sit down and tell her about my day. First period, this happened. And then second period, he said this to me. And then third period. And I would go through my day like that with her. And when I would be very excited about something neat that had happened, she'd say, Roxanne, that's a jewel to keep in your apron pocket. And on days when things aren't going so well, you can pull that out and look at it and remember a really happy time. And when I thought about our spiritual experiences, which is what this book is about, it's about sharing those spiritual experiences as our testimony, not preaching church doctrine or gospel principles or testifying like that, but just couching our faith in our experiences, our stories. When I thought about those, those truly are jewels that we keep in our apron pockets. And when someone has a question or there's a time of doubt or trial, we can pull those jewels back out and look at them. We can polish them up. We can share them. And it enriches everyone. And they reflect the light of the Savior, those stories, if we are careful about what we choose. And so my mom was struggling in her health. She was nearing the end of her life when this book was published. And I took it to her and she wasn't really with it very much, but I handed it to her and the book is dedicated to her. And so I opened the book to the dedication page and she ran her hands over the cover. The dedication page says to my mother, Colleen Johnson Platt, who taught me to recognize and collect beauty because she was a beautiful woman who did everything beautiful in this world from dancing to music to flower arranging to painting to hostessing to sewing. She was amazing. I handed her the book. She ran her fingers over the cover. She turned the pages and she was just quiet. And then finally she shut the book, leaned her head back on her recliner and said, it's perfect. I love everything about it. And the tears just began to flow. Because I knew that I wasn't going to have much time left with her. And she passed about two months later. I just wanted her to know that I had hurt her. And that she had had a massive impact on me. And by her listening to my stories, I learned to value others' stories. And that's why I'm promoting people writing their stories today at Rooftop Publishing. That is beautiful, man. Um, I, I probably know this book more than most people because I was the one that recorded the audiobook. Right. I read it before then I edited the audiobook. I made sure everything was good. So I've probably been through this book four or so times. Yeah. And I have to say it is a beautiful book with so many beautiful stories. And I was wondering if you could share one of those stories, uh, or a principle from the book that... Um, I don't know, can give the listeners just a little sneak peek. Yeah, you bet. Um, I think one of the things that is most important about this book 
is that it hopefully will give people permission to open their mouths about their faith. We live in a really divisive time in the world's history where people are worried to offend if they come across too strong. And so they will really pull back and not share their true feelings. But one of the things that I think is most powerful is for people to understand that nobody can reject your personal experience. They might reject your philosophy of life or of God or deity, but they can't reject how you felt, love that accompanied an experience. So one of the stories I tell in the book was of me as a teenager, and I was growing up in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I had an idyllic childhood. But in my teenage years, just as in everyone's, there's all kinds of pressures that a, a young person feels to step up and be more. They are, you know, having relationships with boys and girls and friends, and, and there's always drama with that and trying to figure those out. And I just felt like there was a lot of pressure on me between school and church and family and friends. And I went up into the forest behind my home, and there was these huge boulders that we called the big rocks, which is kind of a lame name, but it's what we called them. And we used to, as children, play on those rocks, jumping from one to the other, kind of like a hot lava game, trying not to fall into the hot lava. But this day, I was just overcome with the cares of the world. And I sat down on those rocks, and I was mad, and I was just tearful and I was crying. And pretty soon I started to talk. And it wasn't a prayer with my eyes closed and my arms folded. It was me just looking out over the tree line out to way past, miles past the, the plains. And as I talked and talked and cried and was wiping my nose on my sleeve, pretty soon I ran out of venom and frustration. And I just sat there and I had not asked any questions, but all of a sudden I was just enveloped in love and in the feeling that somebody was listening. And I knew I was not alone and not one bit of my life changed of the pressures I was feeling or the relationship issues I was having. But I have never since that time doubted that I am a darling daughter of a heavenly father who loves me. And I've needed that dozens of times since, but I only needed that one experience to teach me that. Now, because I've written that down, that story in this book, I have actually been converted over and over to the truth of that principle that I have a loving heavenly father. Every time I read it or share it, my testimony becomes stronger. How can I cry every time? I know the end of the story, but it's because as I say it, the Spirit testifies to me again that that is truth. Wow. That is, that is an incredible story, and it doesn't just strengthen your faith. It strengthens everybody's faith that reads this book, and it, it really is an amazing book um, and a great legacy to leave for all of those that love you so much. Um, for those that are like wanting to start writing uh, because they know they have stories to share, stories that they need to go back and read and be reconverted. There's so many obstacles, there's so many doubts. If you could give advice to somebody that's just wanting to start writing, maybe a book or just writing in general, what advice would that be? I would say really go to your life experiences, maybe just create a list of experiences in your life that are 
maybe gospel principles or a, a tragedy or a prompting or something like that, where you can just make a list of your spiritual experiences. And, and there are tons of prompts out there. And I actually have created a list of 35 prompts that go with this book. And you can just go to RoxanneThane.com and, and download those prompts that get you started on writing. Um, if you will just brainstorm those, there's not all are going to be equal in value, but there are going to be some that rise up and that you will choose to say, you know what, that has actually colored my whole life, or that is actually something I want to learn more about, or that is something I know people who need that. And you will go deep on that. Um, you will also find that some of those other stories that you sketched out can be a part of it. And this book tells you, this is not an English book. This is not going to teach you the structure of everything, but it teaches you how to make stories that people actually want to listen to. That's truly important. I mean, you've heard this before, but you've got to keep your audience in mind. And if you are writing to people who are timid Christians who want to share their faith, but don't know how to do it, that's who you keep in mind the whole time. That was easy for me because I'm a timid Christian, but I have become much more vocal in and confident in my faith since writing this book. But keep in mind, who are you writing to? Are they young people? Are they old people? Are you encouraging people? Are you teaching a new skill? Are you teaching historical fact? Are you just sharing uh, family history that you're putting together? Are you sharing something that will be useful in moving someone forward in their career? Keep in mind who your audience is. Start writing for that. And then I would also say, don't think you can go it alone because as brilliant as you might think what you just wrote is, some editor can come in and make it so much better. Please prepare yourself to not have everything that you wrote be loved. It's okay. You, you've got to get over yourself and want the outcome much more than you care about your ego. And I understand it's hard. I mean, I've shed tears. I've flushed red when I've read what editors have said, like, what? Like, oh, they just don't understand. I just need to explain it better. And that's part of the point is that if they didn't understand it, most people won't. So listen to your editor, get an editor, get a proofer, get, get professional help to make sure that the legacy that you're going to leave on this earth is something you can truly be proud of, that you don't immediately want to bury it in the garage for the cats to sleep on. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing jewels in your pocket um, because this is an amazing book. People should go read it, read it because they will be inspired to write their stories. And so thank you so much for sharing this with us today. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been fun. Yeah. Though we've come to the end of this chapter in our author's story and the end of the show, we feel motivated by the legacy created when they took the leap of faith to write and publish their book. We hope this backstory has inspired you to pen the book that's in your heart. After all, your unique and faith-promoting message needs to be shouted from the rooftops.